Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. All right, the breakfast toast is on the table. It's been a while for us out there, folks, but lo and behold, we are here on Championship Monday for NCAA basketball. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Amo, say hello to all the loyal listeners and fans out there. They probably forgot that uh, we're even doing this. We've been away a little while. Hello. Yes, we have. We've been we've been enjoying our spring. Uh, we've been away, but we're back at it again. It is Championship Monday. It is Kentucky taking on Duke, right? No. Is that what's happening? Wrong. Kentucky didn't make it to this thing. Undefeated, big, bad. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's, fu- what's funny. I was in one of those. Uh, my brother got me in a goofy pool with him at the beginning where uh-huh. there's like they give you four teams, okay? So there's 16 people in the pool. And every game they use the closing line on on, on uh, one of the sites. So, example. <clears throat> Let's pretend you have Duke and I have uh, Illinois, and Duke's mm-hmm. a twelve-point favorite in round one. Duke wins mm-hmm. by ten. Mm-hmm. I steal Duke from you. I move to round two. Or oh, Illinois. Okay. You, that yep. Sounds fun. So, so yeah, it is a lot of fun. We ended up stealing Wisconsin along the way, and we have Wisconsin tonight to win the whole pool. Now, I can't verify this. He's traveling right now, but my, I told my brother beginning last week when Wisconsin mm-hmm. and Kentucky was slated, that Wisconsin was winning the game outright. He told me I was mm. – I think he thought I was nuts, but he was hoping I was right. Right. And the only well, reason you know, I, you know I thought they were – You know how this whole thing goes, man. When when you're taking points and an underdog, uh, man, nine times out of ten, underdog covers wins a lot of times. That's well, you know works, why so. I liked Wisconsin? Here's where I saw the chink in Kentucky in that Notre Dame game. I saw – Notre Dame, and don't get me wrong, Notre Dame had a nice season, and I'm certainly not an expert in basketball. But one thing I do know about Notre Dame, having read their scores and listened to what experts do say, they were a terrible defensive team. And Kentucky mm-hmm. didn't break 70 against them. And I started looking around the SEC, and it may be a football powerhouse, but when Florida's mm-hmm. down like Florida's down this year in basketball, it stinks because mm-hmm. you have Kentucky, Florida, and nothing. Okay? Right. Right. And, I mean, and that was my other concern. Guys, Auburn, LSU, they're not bringing anything to the table, really. On a not in basketball. Scale. No, no. No. No, they're football schools primarily. That's all they do. Uh, you know, Georgia occasionally fields a decent team, but nothing special. Arkansas was, you know, I mean, so what I, I'm getting at is Kentucky ran the table, and that's hard to do no matter who you're playing. But it was against a relatively weak conference, and they're out of conference schedule this year, while difficult in name happened to set up nicely in that North Carolina was kind of average for North Carolina. Louisville was kind of average for Louisville. They weren't bad teams. They were in the mm. tournament, but right. they, they weren't powerhouses. And I looked at Wisconsin and mm. said, you know what? As much as we kill the Big Ten in football, you know, sometimes make some fun. Not anymore, I think, with what they've got there. We'll talk about that in the college section. But 
you know, I think right. the Big Ten plays good basketball, and it's it's evident when you have two of the four teams in the Final Four. Michigan State's a power every year, and I just mm-hmm. really liked what I saw from Wisconsin and the little I do watch basketball. So I thought they had a great shot. Yeah, and it's a, it. it's a widely known fact. They, they play some pretty good basketball in the Big Ten. Uh, one could argue that that's the best conference for uh, for for college basketball right now. I think. Um, you know, in years past, Wisconsin's deal has always been very good defensively, struggle to find offense, especially in the big games. Um, and then this year, coming into this thing, they did add some some solid and reliable offense to their game. And obviously, we see the fruits of uh, having something like that be a part of their game. Here they are in the final game tonight. But we do need to talk about what we think is going to happen there. And before we head to the break, we will indeed both give our predictions as to what we think is going to happen tonight. Hopefully, hopefully, I know you're in a pool and there's some uh, financial or whatever, you know, bragging right interest. I don't know what's on the line in in the uh, goofy pool that you're in with your brother. But um, hopefully you can analyze this thing outside of what you have oh. at stake. And, again, we'll talk about that right now. Yeah, I mean, we, that's, uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. Let me, let me ask you, did you watch uh, – most of both games on Saturday? I saw nothing of Duke and Michigan State. I did see Kentucky and Wisconsin. So Well then you saw uh, all you needed. Either. You missed you missed nothing in the first game. I think uh I, I think Wisconsin Michigan State, you know, got there with some coaching at heart. Um you know, mm-hmm. Izzo's probably one of the best tournament coaches, him and Coach K, but he just didn't have the horses. In that second game <laughs> I think I sent you a text to this. I turned that thing on. I thought I was watching Hoosiers. I thought it was like nineteen. Well, what do you think you're going to be? What do you think you're going to be looking at? Yeah, I know. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I'm watching this thing. I'm like the big bad, the big bad guys from the from the inner city in Indianapolis. Wasn't that the story of the movie Hoosiers? And these kids from the mm-hmm. sticks come to play. <laughs> so give us the movie name for what we're going to see tonight. Duke and Wisconsin. You know, for the hardcore brothers out there, this is not the ideal matchup. Um, and if I don't say so myself, there'll be a lot of white faces on that court, and uh, not ex- not exactly not exactly a brother fest um, as the two teams get together and play tonight. So, um, you know, we saw this with San Antonio in the NBA final last year, and saw what they did to the very athletic Miami Heat. And we're seeing it here with Wisconsin and Duke. Is there a movement able to where the team game and the schematics of the game? are starting to trump more and more the overwhelming athleticism of teams. Is that the shift that we're seeing in basketball, both at the professional and college level? Uh, I don't know about the professional level. I think it's something else at the college level that I've noticed. I think if you look at these teams like Kentucky's and Duke's and North Carolina's many years, Louisville, they have a lot of NBA talent on their teams and with NBA talent means you get many one and done or two and done guys. Okay. So you, you're playing with teams primarily most years at those schools with a ton of freshmen or sophomores. And then the really good players by the end of that sophomore year, they they bounce. They're in the NBA. You take these schools like the Wisconsin's of the world who mm-hmm. may eventually get a guy like a Kaminsky cause he's so big to find his way into mm-hmm. the NBA. They don't have a, you know, again, I don't think there's a lot of NBA quality players on that team. So they're there three and four years. So what you're seeing in my mind is the veteran team that played together. Remember, Kentucky beat Mm -hmm. them by a point in last year's Final Four. Right. That is maturing the way we're used to it when we were younger, when even a guy like Jordan played three years. Magic Mm -hmm. Johnson, you know, know, it was a big deal. I think Isaiah Thomas left after two. 
you know, if I'm remembering mm. correctly. So I think mm. what you're really seeing more is veteran leadership and, and teams that mature and, and, and get guys staying three and four years. At least that's what I'm seeing. But does in my mind. that not does does that not move to to my point here though? Um, the the veteran leadership and the maturing of things um, also plays into you know schematics. Like we understand the system that we're playing. We can play better team basketball because we've been around each other for a while. We've been in this system for a while. And um, we're gonna we're gonna prevail now over teams like a Kentucky that let's face it have um, put together the best athletic and you know quote unquote best individual basketball players every year that are there for a year and take off. I mean it, we're we're not too far removed from um, all freshman Kentucky team winning this whole deal going away a couple of years ago, and now we have something like a, a Wisconsin. Or, you know, before even Wisconsin beat Kentucky, we had Notre Dame almost do it. Well, I think the coach in you should come out, and I think you can answer your own question here. Is I mean, you coach fundamentals, I'm sure, when you coach kids. Mm-hmm. A guy having a 42-inch vertical leap and, and me having a 6-inch vertical leap, if we're both 6'8", mm-hmm doesn't mean anything. His 42-inch vertical leap useless if I box him out correctly, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> fundamentals right. uh, usually went out in 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 sport um, if you have a reasonable amount of athleticism. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, we're kind of making, ready. you know, you and I are having some fun with this, okay? Um, you, you know, me with my Hoosiers comments. But all, all kidding aside, you know, let's not pretend that, we, you know, Wisconsin is just like a bunch of guys that they pulled off a playground that, can't, you know, they're not good no, athletes. They, it's they, just they they're not have, Kentucky. They do have athleticism, yes. No, but yeah, not they're not Kentucky. Kentucky. Athleticism, no doubt. Yeah. Right. Uh, if they were to go to a combine, you know, the Kentucky guys would probably get picked, you know, one through five. Sure. Before, or maybe, you know, maybe Kaminsky works some way on it. I don't know. But um, that's something for us to keep our eye on going forward. You know, we're, we're not going to jump into this discussion today about, you know, what we think about the, basket, the NCAA basketball rule of one and done and so on and so forth. That's something probably – kept for uh, a, a better time post you know post this championship game if we want to talk about NCAA basketball another issue that was on the table after the uh, the uh, Wisconsin versus Kentucky game and I think many of you have heard it um, I just gained knowledge of it so you know I crawled out from under my rock but um, <laughs> Kentucky's Kentucky player Harrison um, an open mic uh, picks him up you know saying using the n-word when talking about uh, Kaminsky in uh, a post uh, post game interview and listen, um, I don't know why guys continue to you know make comments like that when sitting at that table um, around the mic. You know we saw uh, LeBron James do that a couple years ago where he you know said a reporter's question was was retarded. Um, uh, the guys got to be careful like that. And you know what, Emil, and in, in in all of these games, especially the college sports. Kids are really emotional after a game like that, especially one in which they lost. So kind of hard to control your feelings there, but um, certainly a mistake. But I think there's two components to to that, and and, and here's what I see. There's the language, choice of language component in that inappropriate language given the – you know, circumstances. You got maybe some young kids watching or whatever. In that sense, I think that to me is the bigger deal. In that, hey, you know, watch your language with an open mic. But then there's this, mm-hmm. you know, I think, and I've seen it more obviously being white from the white people that mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. 
right. <laughs> that yeah. there seem to be making this racial component that I I just don't see maybe because I've been around sports most of my life. Um, mm. To me, I I mean the way he said it, it with you know a, a sense of disgust and frustration. It was the ultimate mm. compliment when you play. I mean, it was yeah. just like yeah, right, yeah. It was just like, man, he was he was frustrated, and he was just like, f that, you know, and and basically saying, you know, this guy just just frustrated me for forty minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, You know, some of your white population are going to say, well, see, uh, why are there no big time penalties? Why is no one up in arms when they use the word? What would have happened if it was uh, done in the reverse way? Listen, here's a fact, and Stephen A. Smith broke this down. Um, as clear as you can for those who are reasonable and want to understand it. Whether we agree with it or not, uh, the word is used between uh, blacks um, on a daily basis. Let's just be honest about it. And there's no, most of the time, uh, ill will, you know, meant when the word is being used, sometimes a term of endearment and just, you know, a free-flowing, to be honest with you. So and it's about stripping it the word down of its power. I mean, a lot of a lot of people say, you know, That's the by, genesis of it. Yes. That's the genesis of it. So, but, however, whether you like this or not, if it is used in the reverse way, if it had been Kaminsky saying that about Harrison, best believe um, history has said that that has a totally different meaning. And for anyone who can't understand that, I feel sorry for you, but those are just the facts and the reality of it all, and um, that's where I stand with that. Just and I think Harrison would be—I uh, I think Harrison would be more of a pickle too if he had, <laughs> if he had said, you know, uh, give me give me a good one, a, cra- a cracker. Is, is yeah, that a good one? Yeah, look, yeah, you know, f that cracker, of course. Yeah, now now um, I think he'd have a different totally. situation going because again, no doubt, yeah, no doubt, because that story would not be six, seven stories down on ESPN's NCA front page. It'd be a little higher up. You'd be, you know, number two somewhere. Because it would have a racial that. component at that point because would, I don't absolutely. think I don't think anybody's called any, you know, I remember playing hoops back in the day. I don't know if I've ever been called that as a term of endearment. So. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And just the fact that I use the word cracker right here online might, you know, get someone riled up and uh, they'd want to write in, but who do you write into here? Uh, Don't we have a, 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 an artist called Uncle Cracker? <laughs> Perhaps we do, man. Who who knows? But uh, listen, <laughs> I think me personally, we put a little bit too much importance on words in this society. I understand that words can sometimes incite uh, action, but I think we have just taken that to the max. All right, we need to head into a break, but before we do that, uh, we need to talk about what we think is going to happen tonight. I'll I'll really go first, and I'm just going this. I have not um, watched a ton of the NCAA tournament. So I'm going off of a historical thing, which I feel we can do when we get north of 40. I've been around long enough, seen a lot of things. Um, so I'm going to just make this prediction about tonight. you got a lot of people saying Wisconsin because they slayed the dragon Kentucky. History has showed me. Unless you're an overwhelming physical talent in a team that can just win things running and going away, a lot of times when you come down to these kind of final matchup uh, matchups, it comes down to the things that we can't see, which is um, mentally what's going on um, and and things of that nature. And I think for Wisconsin, I think they expended a lot of mental energy in uh, defeating a Kentucky. Um, I could see the uh, wave of emotion from that team after being the team that knocked off the big, you know, mighty 
Kentucky, and I'm just wondering what they can bring to the table mentally tonight, especially if this game is nip and tuck all the way through. Do they have enough in them to go toe-to-toe with a Duke team? And then the other thing I'm looking at is, uh, again, and it's not one of those things you could see, it's not uh, someone leaping through the air or someone stroking really good from three. It's just the experience factor that Coach K has in these situations. He's been there. He's done that. He knows how to prepare a team for a final. He's done it quite a bit. And I think Duke really has an edge in those two major areas. And for me, I think that's going to be enough for Duke to triumph tonight. Uh, Much to the chagrin of many people out there, because Duke's not a very popular team outside of their state. Um, But I just have a feeling with those two factors, I would lean towards Duke here winning this game tonight. I don't know. They're all valid points. Things you just said, the emotional component of you know beating Kentucky and then coming back and playing Duke. But here, here's one reason I, I kind of like Wisconsin in this game. Seriously, I think the coaching um, coach K is probably one of is the greatest or one of the top three coaches ever. But as far as X's and O's, he doesn't have a huge advantage with against a guy like Bo Ryan, who's shown you know he's mm. a pretty good coach himself. Maybe not the history of Coach K. These teams played early in the year in December at Wisconsin, Duke won by 10. Always tough the second time because you would expect, even though it was four months ago, uh, Wisconsin to make more adjustments than Duke. The other Mm -hmm. thing is, this I just read this morning, Wisconsin, if they win this game, is going to be historic in that this will be the toughest NCAA tournament run ever. They played the top seed that they could have played in every round. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the 6-1-16 mm-hmm. game. Then they played the 8th seed. Then they played the 4-seed mm-hmm. North Carolina, the 2-seed Arizona, the 1-seed mm-hmm. Kentucky, and the 1-seed Duke. And I think this is just uh, – I think these guys are different cats, man. They're, they're just mm-hmm. a really loose team. I could argue that that further wears them down. Oh, class. no, you I definitely can make, can make argument. the argument. But I just I, – you know, I, I – I look at the schedule they've played, and they just played a brutal schedule that prepared them for this. I mean, they've played teams like Georgetown, Oklahoma, and Duke, and that's before they even got to their own conference, which is brutal. I I just think Mm -hmm. this team is, we'll call it destiny or whatever, they were here last year, remember. Don't don't forget Mm -hmm. that. That's big. This group played in the Final Four last year, and I just think that – this is a 36-3 and basketball team. I think they'll make adjustments from that first game against Duke. And I see them winning a very good game tonight. I'm going to say like 74-71, something where it comes down to the last couple possessions. Yeah, we can only hope as fans that that's what we see tonight. But uh, So there you have it. He's on the red side. I'm on the blue side. So take from that what you may. We're going to head into a break. When we get back, it's opening day in baseball. We're going to talk Major League Baseball when we get back here on the Gridiron Stud Shows. Stay tuned. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. 
FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. time here on the Gridiron Stud Show. It is Major League Baseball opening day. Before we launch into that discussion, uh, I think we need to bring our next caller in and, uh, and, and to share some thoughts here. You're on the air with Emil and Chad on the Gridiron Stud Show. What's happening? What's happening? What's going Lash. on there, Big Les? Uh, he's on? recovered from the Michigan State loss. And uh, he, he, he's going to talk to us about what he thinks is going to happen tonight. And I know my man here will never fix his mouth to say that he thinks Duke is going to win a championship. Am I correct on that or not? Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose Duke if you went there. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know my man or not? I think he's going to stay Big Ten all the way and back Wisconsin, uh, at least in a prediction. So to speak. So well, I, I know I we're ain't not no a triple no blood, but I'm I'm rooting for the red tonight, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're I, on I the same side, Wes. <laughs> yeah, you know I know this. Just we had we had the we had the pleasure. I, I want to say you were with me, Les, um, in in 1990 when uh, UNLV had that ridiculously good team and they came and played Long Beach. Yeah, do you recall us going to see that game? It yeah, the game yeah, where. Yeah. Uh, Long Beach State ran the clock down on every possession. It was one of the worst things I ever saw. That, but you know, our school decided to do that as a as a way to try and knock off mighty UNLV, and they weren't able to do it. You know, UNLV went to the championship, won the whole deal, running, going away that year, and then the next year Duke knocked them off. And I'm pretty sure if you had any hate for Duke before that, you really hated them then. Am I right or wrong on that? Uh, you know, I'm gonna be honest, man. I've never liked Duke. But uh, they got some talent. They got some talented athletes. Uh, it's uh-huh. unfortunate that that um, you know some of these these guys that go to Duke get the scrutiny of uh, the most hated fans in the world. But mm. uh, have either of you guys, speaking of Duke, had a chance to see the thirty for thirty about Christian Leitner? 
I have, man, yeah, and I, if uh, and if you I think any it. of that changes the way people who don't like Leitner feel, <laughs> hell no. No, um, I'm not thinking like it does. Not, yeah, not at all, man. Just like, yep, that's the dude I remember. Can't yeah, that's the him, guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, but he took right, pleasure yeah. in it. He, he took pleasure in it. He really enjoyed I that whole. I think he did, man. He just yeah. doesn't care. And you know what? I do have an appreciation for people like that. I don't know how you two guys feel. I would appreciate. This is who I am. This is how I go about my thing. And to hell with what you think about it. Yeah. So I'm, that's, I'm, that's, I'm, with, I'm, I'm with that sentiment because I'm the same way. If you don't like me, who cares? Mm. But uh, right. I've never right, been exactly. a so, fan. I've never been a Bobby Hurley fan. Um, well, listen, man, if you don't like Duke, there ain't no way in hell you like either one of them dudes. This period, that's the well, what's funny is right it doesn't sound with. like Hurley and Leitner liked each other very much either. No, but you know what? Good teams, you will have some of that going on, and they're able to put their differences aside for the end goal, which is to cut down the net. So uh, respect and salute to them. Leitner called Hurley I, Bart Simpson. He used to call him Bart Simpson because he said, he said Hurley looked like Bart Simpson. <laughs> Well, listen, when we get the Hurley 30 for 30 special, we'll find out the names that he had for Leitner. I'm sure they're uh, none too cute. All right, Les, before we let you go, I know you are backing Wisconsin, but does Duke have a chance in your mind to cut down the nets tonight and make you throw up all over your living room floor? Uh, I'm going to have to buy a new TV if they win. Um <laughs> Among other things, man, you know, if there's a coffee table, I'm sure that's smashed in half tonight, too, should they be the ones to win this thing. Um, you know, honestly, I think um, I mean, I think it's going to be an evenly matched game. I just think, uh, I think I think Wisconsin is a little bit deeper. Uh, their mm-hmm. benches should be a little bit deeper. Um, mm-hmm. the, the kid, number 15, that plays for Wisconsin, I forget his name, but He's a Sam something. He's a he's an outstanding player. Sam Decker. Sam mm-hmm. Decker is a pretty outstanding player, and I like the big tall kid, forty four. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they just got a chance to beat him tonight. I, mean, I think Frank the Tank less will will frustrate Duke's young stud center there. I think I think he will taking him off the dribble as well as shooting three tonight. So yep. I look. I look forward yeah. to a, a, a convincing win with, uh, with with Wisconsin tonight, and uh, we'll go from there, man. Let's, let's talk about yeah. the NFL draft. Well, hopefully, we get the kind of game that Emil is talking about, seventy-four, seventy-one. I'm saying Duke just because of uh, I think Wisconsin expended a lot of energy um, in 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 that win, mental energy, and then you know just the whole uh, experience factor for for Coach K. You know, I, I like. In championship games, I you, like hey, wait, 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 wait! Really Do you get Les, You didn't say can. anything. Do you get what your friend just subtly suggested? That Duke expended no energy in beating your Michigan State Spartans. They expended uh, energy, not quite at the level. See, look, see, you're so media, man. Look how you just take a quote and start <laughs> twisting it, man. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what? You really ought to well, go apply well, to ESPN. Go do I, it. I think, I think, I think Duke victory was a little bit more convincing, and they didn't have to exert as much energy um, as uh, Wisconsin did beating Kentucky. But I think, I think Wisconsin is ready. I think their coaches has them poised and, and ready for another game, another 40 minutes, and, uh, you know, let's see what happens. All right, Les, man, appreciate you joining us here. I'll be looking forward to uh, this thing tonight. We got the Reds on that side, and I'm the lone blue over here. 
going with Duke. All right, man, moving right on to uh, MLB opening day. Um, we've got we've got uh, a bunch of stuff going on here. Uh, people are talking about your Dodgers like they're going to make some major moves this season, um, and rightfully so. They've uh, they've been quiet. I don't know about you know major moves up. to me isn't isn't like I mean listen. I read an interesting piece the other day. A guy said, you know, one of the Dodger fans said, what, what do we have to do to overtake the Giants? And he's like, wait a second. You don't have to do anything. You have to play better in, in October specifically against the Cardinals. The Dodgers have beaten the right. Giants in the long part of the season, as Derek Jeter used mm-hmm. to say, where the better team will win. By 22 games the last two years. They won by 16 in 2013 and 6 last year. But they mm-hmm. need to figure out October. Well, we're not talking Giants here, man. Look, many people feel the Dodgers are going to win the West, okay? And I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to that's not going to be the deal. It's can they deal with St. Louis? His that's rules, right. I will agree with Colin Cowherd is probably the best franchise in baseball right now, and this is coming from a Yankees fan, lifelong mm-hmm. Yankees fan. Um, but everyone is talking about the arms in Washington, and is anyone going to be able to get by that rotation that Washington is going to put out there this year? If they're, if if you know the Dodgers want to represent the National League, sure, uh, in 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 the World Series, and, and that's really the deal. I think they're. But you're a Freakonomics guy, way. you know. Let me tell you something about Washington. It's interesting. They brought in Scherzer, who's obviously a quality pitcher. But as you know, that these these guys that love these uh, the number crunching, they talk about wins over replacement and all that stuff. All they did by adding Scherzer was was jettison a guy to the bullpen in Tanner Rourke, who was so excellent last year. I think the guy had a 2.85 ERA. That basically Scherzer's worth another win or two for, to them for the season. When you do okay, we're going to swap him out for this guy. I mean, in other words, yes, he's a very very good pitcher, but. They all they did was add to what was already a strength. It wasn't like they lost in the playoffs last year because they couldn't pitch. They lost because they mm-hmm. scored about three runs in four games. Um, okay, yes, I get that. Isn't that what happens in the postseason? Totally. Isn't that but what I'm saying yeah, is I don't think I, I think that the arms that Washington have, while nice for depth, it will protect them against injury in that respect. They're going to win their division. The NLE stinks. I mean, the Phillies will be hard-pressed to win 70 games, and the Braves aren't far behind. So, you know, I well, think it's... Well, okay, it, yeah, but, but now because the East stinks, um, are they going to really tax their arms right there? Because that's got to be the biggest concern for the Washington Nationals. Uh, you've already had issues with um, a couple of guys on that staff from a physical standpoint. But how much are they going to tax their arms running through the Mets, Braves, and... and 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 the you know the Phillies and the Marlins. Yeah, I do think the Marlins. You know, as we we kind of got into this East a little, as you brought up Washington, I think the Marlins are going to be a much improved team down there. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not as ready to jump on them like the media and start predicting playoffs. I think let's. I wait hate putting see. that kind of pressure on there, but you know, listen, no. fans down here really got to come to this conclusion. They got to come to this reality. Um, in the past, and I know they always get mad about this. In the past. When the ownership of the Miami Marlins, which was formerly the Florida Marlins, has gutted the high salaries and broken the team down and reconstructed, it has worked in their favor. You can get mad about that, fans down here, if you want to, but the truth of the matter is that has worked for this franchise, and I'll be damned if they're not on the climb again and they started off with a bunch of quote-unquote no-names, minor leaguers, and here they are again working their way back into 
uh, consciousness. I, you know, yeah, I, no, I no. I mean, I think I think the Mets and Marlins are actually two teams that are going to be much improved. So I'm not so sure. You, you know, I think I think they could get a challenge. You know, if the Nationals take them lightly, and a few mm-hmm. things don't break their way, I think they could play themselves into a little bit of a pennant race with one of those teams. If if if, if one of those teams has some guys step up and do the things we think they can do. Um, you know, I still think that Central Division, to me, I know a lot of guys at ESPN like Buster Olney is picking the Pirates to win the World Series. I'm sorry. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see I think there's a little it. bit of something behind that. He may not indeed really feel that, but doesn't that, isn't that like a better uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It has more shock value for the U.S. Well, take not only that, like think about it. If you, if you throw out the Pirates at a station like ESPN where they have 50 guys make their picks this year in the baseball family over there, and you're right. You're a genius. And if you're wrong, everybody forgets about it. I mean, listen, to me, that division is still the Cardinals division. Um, I agree with you right now. They they have the mantle as the best franchise in baseball until proven otherwise. Uh, uh, the mm-hmm. Pirates are relying on some guys. that I don't think they have a true number one starter. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a bunch of guys that could be twos and one A's. I don't see a number one. So I like St. Louis there. Um, I I do but you like. You have to be tickled at the. You have to be tickled at the Pittsburgh Pirates are in this. Sure, uh, I mean I don't want. Listen, I think it's good for That's baseball. Good for we, baseball. Yeah, yeah we grew up with with the Pirates being a good franchise. So for me, I like seeing the Pirates. Hey, listen, be to be honest with you, when I came into this whole baseball thing, uh, when I moved back into the country from Trinidad, just a quick history lesson on me. The Yankees were it, obviously. I came back in late '77, early '78. Um, and the Yankees were the real deal. But what happened the year right after that, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates. And listen, if, if I had a second team um, in that part of my life, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sure, they, they were fun to watch. They had Willie Stargell. Yeah, him swinging that bat around. And the whole yeah. they had caps that didn't look like anyone else. And they had the We Are the Family song. How could you not like the No, Pirates? they were, so, yeah, they were cool. Big, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, they were, I have to tell you, it's funny you say that. They were probably, I was a Dodger fan since I'm a little kid, but they were probably my second team, even though they're in the National League. I live in Pennsylvania, and, you know, they were a big deal. So I, I like the media the made you love the Pirates now, did they not? Back there in '79, they made you. They made you. The you know, you had just, Sister Sledge singing, "We are." Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, you had. You're a little kid, sorts, you know. But I, yeah, but I will say this, and you, you and I kind of think the same way about baseball because we've talked about it for years together, even if not on air. Mm-hmm. Um, what sells tickets in baseball is usually guys hitting home runs. I mean, that's what fans mm-hmm. like, and if you want to fill your stadium. You can build a roster like that. It usually mm-hmm. doesn't translate to postseason success. You've got to catch the no. ball, which is very underrated. Catching the ball is very mm-hmm. underrated in baseball. Play some and, damn defense and manufacture runs. Basically. Yeah, I mean, you and you know, let's look at the you know you brought up the Dodgers. Last two years they win their division. They win ninety four games last year. But here is the deal mm-hmm. with them: they had a, a, a terrible bullpen last year, which really cost them against St. Louis because as great a year Kershaw had. The first game when he was getting hit a little bit in that inning when they were up 6-2, if you have a good bullpen, it's the seventh inning. You you go out, you say, big guy, thanks for everything. You've thrown over 200 innings this year. We got it from here. Mm-hmm. Game over. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the right. game where he pitched on three days rest, he gives you a one-hitter for six innings. You're up one or two-nothing, I think the score was. On mm-hmm. three days rest, a guy gives you six innings of one-hit ball with nine strikeouts. Again, mm-hmm. you tap him on the shoulder. You say, thanks for the effort, big guy. We got it from here. But when you don't have a bullpen, right. you're done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the blame goes to him saying, oh, you know, he failed in the postseason. 
yeah, to some degree, but you got to look at circumstance. I like what they've done in terms of building defense there now. They got rid of the strikeout guys. Hanley Ramirez, to steal your analogy, he's my T.O. of baseball. No team that has Hanley he's Ramirez playing. Yeah. yeah, they're not winning. Put an X. Put yeah, an he's X. the definition yeah. of lazy. Uh, it seems that way. Yeah, and I've, yeah, and I've heard people, they keep talking about the Dodgers lost Hanley Ramirez's bat. He had 13 home runs last year. 13. It's time to take that whole, um, you know, fur coat off this guy already. Like, stop with it already. Uh, I thought when the Marlins got rid of him, I felt like, man, that was a really good move by the organization. Some people down here were up in arms like, what did this guy do here? I mean, I, And to you your know, what, credit, you did deal? call one thing. You said the first couple of years, you told me, he'll be a good pickup for the Dodgers. And for two years, the first half of 2012 when he was with them, and then 2013, the 90 games that he managed to play, he was amazing. But last year, right. he was he was pouting about his contract. He's a terrible shortstop. So for me, mm-hmm. the Dodgers picking up Jimmy Rollins, who may not be the offensive player he once was, but still one of the better defenders in baseball, that's the a ability cool in because, the defense, yeah. Yeah, they've improved their shortstop position and leadership in that clubhouse. So for me, that's an upgrade. They slide that center fielder kid Peterson in that's a top prospect. There's no reason to have top prospects if you're not going to bring them up. That's what I love about the Cardinals. They play their top prospects. Mm-hmm. Peterson mm-hmm. comes up. He, he's a true center fielder. Puig goes back to where he could be a gold glover in right field. And you send a horrible defensive outfielder, Matt Kemp, to San Diego. Now, he'll hit his 25 homers there. But he's a terrible defensive player. Yeah, I got terrible. no problem with them off. I they have no, I have no problem with them offloading that contract and that whole deal there with Matt Kemp. Uh, I know you can talk Dodgers all Let's day. Let's talk Yankees, though. I want to talk Yankees before we get off this. Tell me what you're expecting from your team, because we, well, before I know. Well, jumped on the Yankees. I just thought it kind of ironic since we were talking about the late '70s that yes. uh, the Dodgers are good. Uh, the, the Pirates, are, people are talking about them having a chance. The Baltimore Orioles are, you know, riding, you know, high in the Kansas City East. And the only team missing out of this whole deal, um, which would take us all the way back full circle, is, is my damn Yankees. You know, what do we expect post, for the first time since 1996, we're going to have someone lined up at shortstop on opening day not named Jeter. Um, and so I, I don't know where we go from there. It's going to be a strange sight. I don't know what to expect from this team. Well, not a whole I, lot, certainly. I, well, I think that that may be good not expecting a lot. Because here, here's what I do think. Um, their bullpen's outstanding. We know that. I, I mean, if they can get leads into that seventh inning, I think they have some guys out there that could really shut it down. As far as the starting pitching, they have some question marks, guys with injuries. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this guy from Japan seems talented, mm-hmm. but he's pitching with a, a, a you know partially torn a ligament in his in his in his mm-hmm. elbow is that going to hold up? Mm-hmm. Um, CC mm-hmm. went back to fat CC, which I liked him better fat. So I think that's right. that's a good thing right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of the hey, starting listen, pitching. Let's be honest, he's best at three hundred. So go for it. I, I think I think they're going to have to you know they're going to have to win a lot of four or three games because I don't know necessarily where the offense comes you know on a daily basis. There, I mean, to share as a shell of himself. Uh, McCann is, you know, that 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 was questionable at signing. Um, Ellsbury, you know, I mean, I just don't know where the offense comes you know, from. I'm, you, you know, I'm not a McCann fan, but maybe this is a better setup for Girardi uh, as as a manager. Maybe you do get to do the the things that you know catchers turn managers do, which is manufacture runs and find ways to end the game uh, at least one run ahead of 
uh, your opponent. And maybe we just don't rely on the short side of right field in, in Yankee Stadium to win games. You know, maybe maybe you do that. And for once in, you know, several years, you are prepping your team at least mentally for what the postseason is going to be like if you can get in it. And that is what you said earlier. Find ways to manufacture runs, get a guy on first, advance him to second, get a single, get a guy home, and that's how you win. So oh, maybe listen, that's I'm, what happens for I think baseball fans don't under, you know, people who, I, I won't say fans, the casual fan, I mean, the hardcore fan gets this. Baseball, they look at defense, right? And they'll say, my team doesn't make a lot of errors. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a great defensive team because there's errors of omission plays that a really good defensive team would make. In other words, runner on first. Second baseman goes to the glove side. Can he spin and turn the double play, or does he only get one? If it's a great mm-hmm. defensive team, they turn the double play. If it's an average one, they only get one. Now, that's not an error, but that's an out mm-hmm. that a really good team would get that you left. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. I mean, no, no I, I definitely agree, and I could be on board with that, and we usually see eye to eye on this whole uh I, So I think the Yankees – to answer your question, not having the pressure of being picked to win their division with mm-hmm. some some d- pretty good pitching if 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 the injuries injury bug doesn't get them, they could be a mm-hmm. sleeper. Believe it or not, as hard as that is to say, the Yankees as a sleeper, but they could be a team that you know you look up in July and all of a sudden, wow, the Yankees are only two games out of first place. How'd that happen? And then you know that's my thought. Whether that's just uh, the 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 hopes of a fan, but I'm just. I'm grown weary of going into these seasons with all these big expectations, and that's what it's been for the last two or three years, where I know my baseball sense says they're not going to live up to what it is people are putting on them right here. So we're going into a year where the Orioles did win uh, by 12 games last year, the division, and people are talking about the Red Sox, and no one's really talking about the Yankees, and they get to hide in the shadows, and no one's going to care that they're not hitting a whole bunch of home runs. Um, and they can just go about doing the things you got to do to win baseball games late in the year and win in the postseason, and that's what I'm looking for. It's a shame that I'm going to say this, but outside of talking about uh, the Orioles who did their thing and and the Yankees, uh, how much do we how, how much are we talking about in 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 the in the uh, American League? Uh, not a whole bunch. Um, no, I, think I we mean can all ag- we can we can still agree that the Angels um, are not getting their bang for their buck out of the Albert Pujols contract, they did win the West last year. Can they do it again? Well, that West is brutal. I mean, the A's, you know, he retooled that team, and everybody figured, oh, you know, he's breaking them down when he traded Donaldson. Listen, Billy Bean is an expert at trading. You know, if if you want a guy to manage your stock portfolio, get Billy Bean. Mm -hmm. He's your guy. Because he sells high and he buys low. And, you know, he Would you Donaldson. trade with him though? If you're a, if you're an opposing GM, are you trading with? I'd like I'd feel like I think I'm they about do it. Lose. Chad, I think they do it out of ego. They want to beat him on a trade. I mean, he sends Donaldson to the Blue Jays. I I, I think he suspected that Donaldson probably hit his ceiling. I mean, mm-hmm. he's built. I think the A's will be right there like they always are. I think the Mariners are a team to keep an eye on. I mean, they have some a really top-notch pitching staff. If they can get any kind of offense in that field that they play in. I mean, they could be dangerous. The Angels have a tough, uh, tough go of it to, to repeat in that division, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's a very tough division. I'm not sure what to make of the Central. I don't. I think the Royals were a nice story. Um, I think they'll still be competitive. I'm not sure if they're going to repeat. I mean, th- that that I'm, I'm not sure the Royals were as good as what they did last year. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, they they got themselves on a nice little run. So that's those are the interesting storylines in Major League Baseball as we go through year. We don't talk a whole bunch 
of Major League Baseball here on the show. With it being opening day, I thought we should pay it its fair due going in. And you know what? We'll pay attention to the pennant races this year and the interesting little sidelights. Man, it's time to get back on baseball here a little bit. So hopefully we can get the audience to come along with us. We're going to take a break. When we get back, it's that it's that thing that just takes over sport. It's just takes over 12 months out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm talking about the National Football League. Our NFL talk is up next on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. The 7-on-7 seven seven season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now.
All right, we're back for the final segment of this Monday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino here with you. Can't have a Gridiron Stud Show without talking the National Football League because it just dominates our lives, doesn't it, Emil? Can we can we get by without the National 24 Football 24-7. It really is. Listen. I mean, they've turned this into a year-round sport. I give them credit for that as far as marketing goes, man. They, they've got their act together. Any, any and every corporation, especially the marketing department, should really spend some time with the National Football League and figure out how they do it, what they do, and how you just get these, you know, your your brand to stay on the tips and on the mouths of everyone for uh, such a sustained period of time. All right, one of the things I want to talk about off the top here is uh, there's rumors that the New York Jets are trying to do what they can to move themselves up in the draft to do what I think would be a terrible thing, and that is draft Marcus Mariota. Not saying Marcus Mariota is not a good quarterback. Um, I think it's 50-50 on this. Marriott, I think, needs time to see this game, learn this game, and not be called the man of the franchise. And I just don't think the Jets are very good right now. So I don't want to see that happen to this guy. Um, What are your thoughts of the Jets possibly drafting uh, Oregon's Marcus Marriott? Well, we've talked about this on prior shows. I I believe he's a guy that's going to need to sit for a year. Um, And I think if he gets I think more than that, but. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm I'm saying minimum. I think he needs to come in and learn the the, the pro game, and I think if he gets thrown into the mix with with perhaps a you know a club that isn't ready, you know, or doesn't have a line and receivers to help him. I think he could have a you know one of those careers that goes in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I listen. I'm not empty, and I, I don't like what a lot of these teams do. Um, when you start giving up multiple picks in the first three rounds because the three first three rounds in the NFL draft you need to get walk-in starters most of the time because that's the way the system is anymore it's a young man's game the first three rounds you get starting players if you're when you're giving up multiple picks in those rounds to move up it's usually not a good thing it usually ends up not being a good thing right uh true that true that well I'm thinking of two teams where I would like to see Marietta go. I've probably discussed this on the show before. I'm thinking San Diego, and I'm thinking Kansas City. You know, um, I, I, I think those are two good places for him. Uh, San Diego, because he gets to learn behind a guy like Phillip Rivers, and he doesn't have to come on right away. And, you know, Rivers is probably on the tail end of his career, maybe a good three more years he's got left. And you could kind of transition. And wait, when you're on San Diego, there's a backstory there. Rivers is in the last year of his contract there. He will not re-sign with San Diego and re-up the contract until he understands where they're playing next year. For some reason, Rivers, a North Carolina guy, wants no part of playing in Los Angeles. Because right now the rumor is there's going to be a stadium built in L.A., for two teams, and the Rams, whose owner is from Los Angeles, are going to come home and go back to L.A. I think his name is Crime. You believe that's going to happen, though? You believe that's going to happen? Well, this guy's an architect, right? K-R-O-N-K-E, I think his Mm -hmm. name is. He built, he designed Tech Cowboy Stadium. Supposedly, Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's, if they wants to bring him back to L.A. and the other rumor is San Diego who doesn't have a stadium deal would be the other team. Anyway, Phil Rivers, we can talk about that another show, wants no part of playing anywhere but San Diego, I guess, at this point. Mm. 
if he's staying with them. Uh, listen, I think if the money's right, he'll get over whatever problem he has with Los Angeles. Yeah, LA's really not bad. I mean, he can live in Anaheim he, if he doesn't like the city. Yeah, <laughs> think think about it. So he can kind of relax on all that. On you know, um, but, but you're right. He's at the end. I mean, that's told, your, your, he's, you're he's, over, on the he's on the tail end. Yeah. In Kansas City, I like because um, I see Mariota as an NFL quarterback, much like Donovan McNabb, that kind of guy right there. That's what I see. And uh, we, Donovan McNabb was great for Andy Reid in that West Coast passing system. And I think um, if there's one system that's run in the National Football League that Mar- Mariota could be the best fit for, I think it's something like that, where you just don't take away his legs at all, but you, he's a pass-first guy, and when it time comes, he can take off in that thing and and do the kind of damage. I think that's the perfect system for him. And Why don't you like him in Philadelphia? Because I mean, that seems to be everybody's, you know, because uh, that fantasy. thing's not long, man. It's not long for the NFL, and I just really don't see Chip Kelly hanging around in the league. So Philadelphia can pick him, have him go there. He runs that thing for a year or two, however long Chip Kelly feels like flirting and playing around with his toy, the National Football League. Then he leaves and goes back to college football, and then uh, an NFL guy comes back into Philadelphia, and Mariota has knows he's still not an NFL quarterback. He well, I'm going to share I'm gonna share a sick uh, wish that I have, and anybody who listens to the show knows that I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. I mm-hmm. am just praying on draft day, and I'm really hoping it happens that Chip Kelly trades multiple picks to move up and take Mariota. I'm praying for it. And, you know, he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. Chip no, I, mean, he's I know he this. doesn't care, but as a Cowboy fan, I'd love nothing more, I have to admit, to see the Eagles trade multiple picks away, which would which would take away talent moving forward for Mariota at this point. I, I mean, I, because I think it'd be a good thing for my team. I'm admitting that. I'm hoping it happens. I don't think it will happen, but it could. Yeah, this this guy could very well um, destroy the Philadelphia Eagles for many, many years. For a decade. I know for a, a decade. People, yeah, I know people don't really see it that way, but I think you and I are clearly seeing it where a lot of people have some blinders on. He could crush this uh, this franchise here for a good amount of time. Well, look what he did against all against all. You know, people are trying to spin it different ways, but the numbers just say signing Demarco Murray for the money they signed him for was just not a good move. I mean, if Murray bucks the trend, you're you're drawing to an inside straight, as they say in poker, because he he went out and signed a guy that you know has all those carries. For over eight million a year, with twenty some million guaranteed, that's just weird money. He didn't money. run in any kind of a system like what Chip Kelly runs. Chip Kelly's system, quite frankly, was made for a LaShawn McCoy type, and we know he didn't, you know, have a great year last year. But it's made for that kind of running back. I don't. It's not made. For well, he Marco claims Murray. it's not though. Kelly says he prefers a one cut running back, and that's why he likes Murray. He said there's too oh. much dancing with McCoy. I don't know. Just telling you. Yeah, I mean, is 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 not Chip Kelly's whole thing? Is it not dancing more than anything else you've seen? All right. Nevertheless, uh, why didn't he? You know what? He would have been better off pocketing some cash and bringing in his old buddy Legarrette Blount in. You know what I mean? Bring him in there as a placeholder. Um, and have well, let him, me ask you, you know, this: as this ties to the draft, because I I really want to see. I I find it interesting more than anything. I'm not sure it's actually going to go anywhere. Hmm. What do you think the possibilities are of? Uh, Peterson ending up in Dallas. I mean, right now the Vikings have an asset there 
Um, he clearly doesn't want to play for them. He's 30 years old. I think he's got, my guess would be, two more years as an elite running back, maybe three if he bumps the I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Amo. You get Adrian Peterson to Dallas behind that line, he could run for another four or five years, my friend. He's 30 years old. I don't care. He might be one of you know. Every now and then, you get an enigma come through the league. He might sure. Yeah. Ed, Emmett was Marcus he, Allen was. I mean, guys who end up in the Hall of yeah, Fame often are. I mean, when you look at Adrian Peterson, does he look like he's going anywhere anytime soon? He just he, no. He looks like he, he looks like he can still kick some ass to be. Honest. He looks like he will still go in the backyard and drag a tractor tied to a rope easily. So. Um, he gets behind Dallas's line, and you see what they can do. Man, you might have another four years of just being a complete problem for defenses. Well, here's the way I, I see Peterson. I think he's want a, to see that. I'd like to see it. Well, he's a smart guy, and it, I, I don't. Very few teams can trade for him. And here's what I mean by that: you, first of all, if he, if he's going to just go to a team that's pass first, he'll stay in Minnesota because they have a good run blocking line. You mm. need a team mm. that's in a win now mentality. So you, mm-hmm. you take a team like Seattle, well, they already got their running back. A team like Green mm-hmm. Bay, they don't run block very well, so he's not going to want to go there. Mm-hmm. There's only a few teams mm-hmm. that he'd probably really want to go to, Dallas being one of them. So mm-hmm. does Minnesota make this guy stay there and play on I happier? And listen, I, 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 and if I'm Minnesota, if I've got my head on straight, and you know, who knows if they do, they're probably still scarred from the last time the Cowboys and the Vikings got together on a trade. You and I both know about that. They made a 30 for 30 short on it. But listen, you've got what you feel like you need and, and want going forward at the quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater. You know what? Cut Adrian Peterson loose. Um, you know, you get rid of all of – it's a great back, no doubt about it. But you get rid of all of the peripheral nonsense that's there about it and everything that went down with him last year. Draft one of these guys that you got coming out because this is a great year for running backs in this draft. You can go get yourself a guy from right there in your neck of the woods because there's a couple of very good Big Ten backs coming out. And now you pair your young quarterback with a young running back and they grow up together. And you know I'm big on that. I'm big on the big-time wide receiver, the big-time quarterback, and the big-time uh, running back all being drafted around the same time, and they just grow up together. It's that whole, uh, you know, the thing that the Cowboys did. You had Emmett, you had Michael, and you had Troy, and you just grow together with that, and you just piece around it year after year. Do that. Let Adrian Peterson go. Get yourself a running back, and now you, and now you just grow your whole thing like that. And let Adrian Peterson finish his, his time off in Dallas, man. And, well, I and think this, the I fact think the that the Cowboys is, haven't gone nuts. Go ahead. I think the problem is selling this to the Minnesota fan base because here's what fans think: they think we have Adrian Peterson. He's definitely one of the two or three best backs. Hey, if not let the me best. stop you. It's Minnesota, man. It's Minnesota. You don't have to sell a damn thing. If you're in Miami, you gotta sell something. If you have a franchise and you're in Los Angeles, you gotta sell some. We gotta find a way to keep you from going to Lakers games or Clippers right. games or Dodgers games. You're not going you're in anywhere Minnesota, in Minnesota. Minnesota. Where are you going, man? So if we decide to have Melvin Gordon or the kid Coleman back there running back as opposed to Adrian Peterson, you're telling me you're staying home? And no. What are you watching? Well, what I do think is a lot of fans. On, come on, come on. You know how fans think. They think that that he's going to bring back a first round pick. He's not. The Vikings would be doing well to get a second round pick for Peterson. Here's why: whoever takes him also has to figure out what to do with that twelve million dollars a year he's making. 
And I think Adrian Peterson, provided he's done the right things with his money, and you and I can only hope on that, should be a little willing to do what he needs to do contract-wise to fit himself in with one of these teams. Um, and if it's Dallas, if this is all you know, a coming home of sorts and you want to end your career a certain kind of way, make some financial concessions to make that happen, man. You, maybe you don't need to get $12 million a year. Agree but or no. disagree on that? But let, no, I agree. But let's, you know, here, let, let's, I want to tie this. I'm going full circle back to the draft. I think if mm-hmm. something happens on this story, it's got to happen in the next three weeks, and here's why. The Cowboys have McFadden there, and he may or may not find his old form for a year, but mm. they're pretty sure he's I not totally going to be. I totally forgot about that acquisition, too, by the way, but he's not a full-time guy, I don't think. No, he's not. He's a guy that they're looking for, hey, ten, give us 10 carries a game and rip off 50 yards, we'll be thrilled, okay? Um, mm. I, I don't think they're going to expose themselves to going into a season with the hope of, hey, we can land Peterson. I mean, if they don't get him in the next three weeks – I see Dallas definitely in round one or two taken aback. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, I'm intrigued by the possibilities of McFadden in Dallas, but you're a fool if you don't consider his history um, in, in terms of injury. So they're not going to put their they're not going to pull the the big saddle on on McFadden. I think they're well. You're a coordinator. Let me ask you this whole overarching theory with the draft in general. There seems mm. to be this notion of let's not take a running back in the first round. And while I agree that the running back position is a five- or six-year position where, mm. you know, if you get a kid out of college, by the time they're 28, their career is pretty much on the downside. But mm. for those five or six years, I think talent certainly matters. There seems to be this thought like, oh, we could just get anybody and stick them behind this line. And I don't, I don't agree crap. with that. Yeah, I don't believe in that at all. Get yourself a franchise back, and you do that in the first round. You let all these people that want to throw the ball all around the yard devalue the position of running back. At the end of the day, Marshawn Lynch is uh, your running back, and you go and you win a Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, the Patriots won it. They were, uh, pardon the pun, a cunt here away from being on the wrong side of that thing and having a team with a running back like Marshawn Lynch winning back-to-back. The Giants beat the Patriots with – uh, you know, a hardcore running game. That still is the genesis and the beginning of this game. Until they and and until they completely um, take all of the physical element and the violence out of this game, it's going to begin and start at the line of scrimmage. And you got to be able to stop the run. No, and unless run they it. play with flags, I agree with you. Unless at some point somebody and it could gets happen in our life. That could a decade from yeah. now. It could happen, and then I'd be prepared to say, hey, you got to put everything on the arms because now it's seven on seven with. You know, a little bit of blocking up front, but right now, still very much a physical game. And you still need to have I, a back. I've been in a social media argument with a few Cowboy fans who are, you know, friends on social media, and I said to them, if mm-hmm. Dallas is on the clock at 27, mm-hmm. and Todd Gurley mm-hmm. or Melvin Gordon are available, they they've would be fools be not to take one of them, unless they've got Peterson in the fold. Unless, of course, the, the, the caveat being they haven't gotten Peterson. Right. To me. If I'm ranking backs, overall ability, I have Gurley 1 and Gordon 1A. And if you're asking me who fits the Cowboys system the best, I may even say Gordon because he's run many of the same plays. Yeah, yeah, I would say Gordon. Uh, I like Gurley. I'm just concerned about the way that he runs the ball. He likes running. He likes part of his game is running into guys, and that I don't know how long you last in the league. Now I did say that about Adrian Peterson, but he just ended up being a, a whole lot more violent and better. 
uh, and more ass kickish than the guys he was going up against. And and where I thought they would make him quit, he's made he's made the other side quit. And he's an uh, like I've said, an enigma. I don't know if there's another one like that coming. Well, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So you're asking a guy coming out of college. You're saying, you know, can he run like Adrian Peterson? Well, do you want to bet on that? Now, let me say, I won't be sad if the Cowboys end up with Todd Gurley, but I really think Mm -hmm. Melvin Gordon would fit their system nicely. He runs those plays at Wisconsin are much of that zone blocking scheme the Cowboys run. I think Gordon's a plug and play back for them. I think you just take him, you stick him in there, he'll get 1,400 yards. Yeah, well, listen, let's agree to this. Unless there's a complete and total brain fart, mental, you know, um, breakdown or meltdown in Dallas, they're going to be very good at the running back position this year. Well, I think your guy may end up in Dallas. When I say your guy, I think uh, what I could see Dallas potentially doing, and when we do our draft show with all the teams, we'll cover where we think teams will go. But I could see Dallas maybe getting cute, and if, if Smith, the corner, or one of those guys they like at corner, is sitting there at 27, they grab him. And then, as you pointed out earlier, the running back position being so deep, once you get beyond Gurley and Gordon, who I think are first-round picks, I think there's quite a few backs that could do well for Dallas, like Coleman from Indiana or your guy, Duke Johnson from Miami. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I could see a guy like him sliding down to Dallas, um, always a productive back at Miami. I think he'd do quite well behind that line. Yeah, yeah. So I think one way or another, they're going to be really good at that position because they are in position to be good at that position. All right, how about that? All right, the last thing I want to talk about before we head out here, and again, we have to give props to the NFL. They film stuff like this now and get people to watch it. Did you happen to watch Jameis Winston's Pro Day workout? I can't even believe that I said that. that <laughs> you know, These things are televised and we're Come watching on, man. it. Damn it, we are did you watch How it? long do you know me? What do I call this stuff? The Underwear Olympics. I don't. I leave that to you to fill me in on the Underwear Olympics. Listen, Tell man, I, I watched Was he thing. fat? My point on it was, uh, no, he was. He I don't mean fat with the pH either. I mean fat. No. <laughs> I don't speak about other men in that fashion. Um, he did not look to be fat. He looked to, by Jameis Winston standards, to be in uh, good shape, enough in enough shape to do what Jameis Winston does at quarterback. However, he had this quarterback guru, George Whitfield, working with him on the pro day. And Jameis Winston, pretty much at this point, is a lock to be your first-round draft, your, your first quarterback taken um, in the NFL draft, if not the first guy taken overall. And instead of going out there and just, you know, doing what you should do, the normal stuff you do on a pro day, you know, go make your 40 to 50 throws. Um, this guy goes and uh, really it looked like he was trying to advertise himself and his services, Whitfield I'm talking about, and he's chasing Jameis around with a broom, and he's got him, you know, making double spins and all kind of foolishness to throw the ball. And I just don't think it ended up being the best pro day that it could have been for Jameis Winston. You know what I mean? It you know, might have highlighted some footwork issues. Maybe he's got a royalty going. Maybe he said to the guy, hey, I don't really care how I look. This guy was killing me, man. It's like, come on, you know, um, go – Go buy a commercial, you know, but just don't do that with this guy. Don't turn this guy uh, into your personal springboard for your services. Like, well, let me ask you this as it pertains to Jameis Winston and just your overall feeling. If, if I said to you, now I know you, know you haven't studied the draft yet the way you will when we do our shows. Right. Mm-hmm. If I said to you right now, you got one guy that you think is a a can't miss guy. In other words, you know, no matter what position, I don't care. What guy in this draft 
without studying it, I'll let you change your mind if, you know, two weeks from now you feel differently. But right now, who do you think is a can't-miss guy and will have a great pro career, you know, make a few Pro Bowls at least, that kind of stuff? Who is my can't-miss guy? Um, You know what? Yeah, I think you hit me with a really good one there. Um, I'm going to – I'd have to think it's one of these pass-rushing ends. Um, you know, and take your pick, whether it's, you know, your guy out of Nebraska or something like that. I just think there's such a high commodity on those guys now that could rush the passer. I'd, I'd, I'd lean on one of those type guys, you know. Um, so maybe I do go with the, with the Gregory guy, weed aside. Um, I have two guys that in mind that I think will be can't miss. One's not very sexy, um, and the other maybe, depending on, if you, you know, how much of a fan you're. The kid from Iowa, the tackle. Mm-hmm. I think will be a uh, his name starts with an S. Um, I think he's like a, a a kid. I think it's Sharif or something. Big white kid. I think he's like Zach Martin. Okay, from the Cowboys. I think he's either going to play tackle at a very high level or get slid inside to guard and dominate. But he's a complete road grader, and I think he's one of those safe picks that if you get him in the top fifteen, he's going to play in some Pro Bowls and have a really good long career for you. Mm-hmm. And I think the kid from my school, I, Williams. I gotta go, yeah, I got to go, yeah, something like that. A Leonard Williams, maybe, I guess. If to that's me, the one Williams has so much him. position flex. I mean, you take a kid like him, you, you know, you can play him in, in certain 4-3 schemes inside. You can uh, put him on the outside like a Richard Seymour type in a 3-4. But you want to know what scares me to death is just, um, I'm just worried he's going to go to the wrong franchise and everyone's picking him for the Titans and like right now the Titans man uh I just don't like that franchise it's like know? going into I witness protection wanna... I mean I mean yeah, hell like, they want to send I'm you to witness to protection I don't want him in I don't want him in Tennessee <laughs> I like Leonard Williams I want to see him do great things so like you know picks two through four I don't want to see him in any of those places I don't want to see him in Tennessee I don't want to see him in Jacksonville I damn sure don't want to see him in Oakland um so but yeah you, you listen He's your guy. That's along the lines of what I'm thinking. A guy like that, uh, rushing the passer and, and, and causing havoc. And He's a um, great kid, by what... the way, a really good student and works hard. I think he'll do well wherever, even if he is sent down you know, to Tennessee, uh, which is probably the one franchise you and I make fun of every August when we do our preview show because we can't name yeah. five guys usually <laughs> on the Titans. Can't. Not at all. Not at all. Um, you know what? And be this final thing before we go, I, I absolutely think – um, Jameis Winston is the right pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, oh, yeah. franchises keep keep your fingers crossed. Hope that he matures and hope that some of what he did was just to be down with the guys at at uh, Florida State and that you know he'll have his head on straight, um, which is a tough thing to say because usually money doesn't help you with any of that stuff you're dealing with. But I think for them, when you've got Evans and you've got uh, and you've got Vincent Jackson at the wide receiver spot. Um, and you bring in, uh, you know, a Jameis Winston. I think that's a good thing. And then now, now you just work on getting yourself a running back that can, that can, you know, keep two safeties from being back there. And I think you're really working with something if you're Tampa Bay. You know, I'm I think sure there's a huge gap between stuff. him and the next quarterback. I mean, I, I, I mean, I looked at his I college do too. career. I think, yeah, yeah, I think long term, if if they end up in the right spots, Mariota has a chance to end up having a better career. You know, if he can get an Aaron Rodgers type situation. 
Uh, I think his career can turn out like an Aaron Rodgers. But if you're going to go to the Jets and they throw you out there right away, the uh, right away, then it's another Achilles Smith, Andre Ware type deal. So um, you know, a lot of this stuff me has more to do with him. He concerns me like the old Florida quarterbacks when Spurrier was there, and even some of the USC quarterbacks for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, at Florida and USC, the, they were playing with such talent all those years. As the quarterbacks came out of those schools, aside from Carson Palmer and that whole conversation, most of them mm-hmm. failed. Like head they, and shoulders they, above. Yeah, they just weren't used to throwing in the tight windows. They weren't used to throwing with guys draped around their ankles. I kind of mm-hmm. feel Mariota is in that in that whole conversation, but not necessarily because the talent as much as the system. I think he was throwing into windows where, frankly, I could have completed some of the passes. I mean, there's guys running wide well, open down there. Well, let me say this to you, too, Amo, though. I have those same concerns for Jameis Winston. In that ACC, he didn't face teams that pressed him. And in games where he did come up against a defense with a secondary that could play, he had his issues. And for, for Florida State... That was usually the games where they played against Florida. That would be the first team to really come up and, and, and reroute his receivers, and he had trouble in those kind of games. And so that's a little bit of a concern here for me. What alleviates some of that is you do have a Vincent Jackson at 6'5". You do have a Mike Evans at a 6'4", 6'5", that even if they are getting pressed in this tight coverage, you could throw them the ball anyway, and they could come up with the catch. And, that's what and. helps him. He could he can learn how to get through progressions. I think the one thing mm. with Winston is I think physically his arm strength and all that stuff. I think he's a better prospect uh, than Mariota. Anything aside from a forty yard dash, I'll take Winston against him. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know only time will tell on that. Well, listen, man, I think we covered it all. I, we shook off some rust here uh, coming back. I don't even know how long were we even out. You know. Um, we were on the deal. Long enough, I guess. But we're back. We're back on uh, on our regular schedule here, save, you know, the occasional missed show here and there because, you know, one of us has to travel, which is probably going to be me uh, this <laughs> summer as we run around to college and so on and so forth. But uh, from here going forward, we're going to – Going to be on a regular schedule. I'll be on again tomorrow, and I'll you know, continue to talk to you about the rest of the week, but going to be pretty much a, a daily show here, at least an hour. You know, We could talk a little sports here on the Gridiron Stud Show. There's always an hour but of football out there. There is. There is. You know, Plenty to talk about always. So um, We're back on a regular schedule here. We'd like to thank all y'all that came back and listened to us shaking off the rust here. We appreciate it. Continue to listen, us, listen to us here on the show, and uh, to bring some friends with you. So um, we look forward to the seasons that we've got coming up. It's Major League Baseball opening day. We've got Championship Monday. I'm going blue. Amel's going red. We'll see who wins out here on this one. For Amel Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.